What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I think he's the best play-by-play guy in the business. Kevin Harlan, uh, Westwood One Sports uh, NFL play-by-play man. He's going to be calling the Super Bowl this Sunday in Miami. Uh, he also calls uh, NFL games on CBS. Uh, uh, Kevin had a, a terrific moment uh, a few weeks ago when uh, he was calling two games at one time. I'm going to ask him about that here in just a second. But first, uh, let's welcome Kevin Harlan back. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm doing great. Always nice to visit with you. I'm sorry it's just always seems about Super Bowl time that we connect, but uh, hopefully we can make it more often during the year. I know what a football fan you are, but it's always nice to visit with you on on a variety of topics, but uh, uh, certainly look forward to this big game coming up in Miami this weekend. Absolutely, and I, we're going to jump with jump into that with both feet coming up in just a second. But uh, I, I did want to talk to you first about Kobe Bryant because you also have been a, a play-by-play announcer for the NBA on TNT for a number of years, and I'm, I'm sure you must have done a lot of Lakers games over the course of your career and uh, covered the Kobe Bryant era um, intensively. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Kobe's passing, uh, his daughter, and the other seven folks uh, aboard that helicopter and a terrible crash uh, on on Sunday. It was indeed um, a, just a brutal story for uh, anybody to uh, try to absorb and process. And uh, uh, luckily, I had uh, had the opportunity to broadcast every year of his NBA career from the time he was a rookie. Wow. Um, did his uh, first playoff appearance uh, against the Utah Jazz in 1997, where he threw up air ball after air ball. <laughs> In a very embarrassing, but a, but an incredibly uh, proactive learning experience for him that obviously served as a trigger. He had many of them, but that served as a trigger to improve. And but I was there that night watching those balls not hit anything but air, and that was as a rookie. And I remember the players crowding around him after the game and walking him off the floor, draping their arms around his shoulders, and. Uh, from a distance, it was like, you're going to be fine. This is just, this is all part of the process. And sure enough, that process led uh, to him becoming one of the greatest players of all time. Certainly one of the top 10 greatest players, one of the top three players I've ever seen in broadcast. Um, But the, the unique thing about Kobe was that we saw him from a teenager, 17, 18 years old, when he was drafted by the uh, Hornets and then subsequently traded to the Lakers um, uh, to become a man and then a father and a father who was very visible as a father. So it's interesting to, to watch someone go through all of that under such a microscope. And like all of us going from boyhood to manhood, there are, there's turbulent times. There are times we hit speed bumps, all of us, no one's immune from it. And unfortunately for him, a lot of that was, was very public, the successes and the failures. And when you go through, I think that kind of story, you appreciate and embrace the person because you know more about them. You know their frailties. You know their superhuman feats that they accomplished. So uh, and now he's at this stage where he's beginning a new chapter of his life. We'll never know what that little girl could have become in the life she could have touched. And certainly he was 41. He had another 40-plus years left 
to live and yeah. to uh, to help humanity. So it's it's uh, on every count. It's it's incredibly sad and and so so very uh, uh, a sorrowful time for everybody. I think that that followed him as a player and, and certainly follows sports. I think the reaction around the world has been predictable because he is one of the most recognizable names and faces in the world. I mean, the the NBA truly is global. And uh, but, but I thought the thing that really struck me was the reaction by by uh, the players, players who played with him, uh, players who idolized him. And you talked about the fact that night he was shooting all of those air balls, his teammates gathering around him and, and, and trying to encourage him, and that he used that for fuel. But it also seemed that um, after in his post-playing career that he can that he continued Continued to mentor players, players who were idolizing him, and really tried to kind of uh, pay, pay it forward a little bit. It seemed to me he enjoyed that. He wanted to be a teacher because he had people that were above him: Dr. J, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, the greats of the game that would counsel him as he was going through. Elgin Baylor, all these guys were uh, were talking to him, helping him because they could see that he wanted to be great, and that's the first thing you want in any pupil that they have the desire to be better, that they have the desire to learn. He was a willing learner, and and he took it to the nth degree. Uh, he was Michael Jordan. If Michael Jordan had a younger brother who played, this is what he would have been. He copied Jordan. He acted like Jordan. He, uh, he was Michael Jordan uh, 2.0, and, and that made him. You know, he won five championships. Michael won six. They were very, very similar in so many ways. And, and um, uh, you know, I, I guess that, that – he his dad played in the NBA, as we know, and I'm sure that counseling and that uh, tutoring mentorship was was important. But he found other mentors in his life, and I think he found the value in that, how that made him into what he became. And I think that's what he was hoping for with his counseling, his mentorship for other young players and people in the in the business world. Well, this is obviously going to resonate for a lot of people for a long time. And so uh, we'll be obviously continuing to talk about Kobe Bryant over the next uh, weeks, months, years. Uh, but let's talk about the Super Bowl. Let's get into this game coming up on Sunday afternoon because uh, we have two really good teams here. I mean, these are two to evenly matched teams. I don't know that there's a consensus pick here. I mean, it, this feels like a 50-50 coin toss at the moment between a really good Chiefs team with an outstanding offense and a little bit of a suspect defense and a 49ers team that doesn't pass the ball much but runs it a ton and plays great defense. If you could pick one player from each team, what which which one player from each team are you most excited to see on Sunday afternoon? You know, uh, you first of all, you've capsulized it perfectly, and and I think that sets up uh, what is going to be uh, on paper. It looks to be one of the great Super Bowls of all time, firepower and personality and history and everything else. I I guess I would say that uh, I'm focused on the two tight ends. They are intriguing to me because both make a gigantic imprint in what their teams do. George Kittle is the number one rated tight end in pro football with. Pro Football Focus giving him the analytics that say that what he does and how he does it, the efficiency with what she does it is is uh, so impactful. And then Travis Kelsey of uh, the Chiefs. Um, you know, first of all, tight ends are asked to do so much now. They're asked to block and be linemen. They're asked to be wingbacks and go in motion. They're asked to be in the backfield and block. They're asked to be wide receivers. They split them out. And these two guys are the epitome. They're they're the extension of what Gronkowski was with New England. And isn't it interesting that we've seen. Uh, over the years, uh, successful teams, and and one of the components they've had has been a good tight end to a great tight end. Yeah. Both of these teams have great tight ends. I mean, like the top two t- tight ends in pro football, and very little difference between them. 
So I'm watching those two guys. That, that That's who my, my money is on. You know, we say this, and I get uh, this is my 10th consecutive Super Bowl broadcasting uh, for Westwood One, and I'm asked this question all the time, you know, who are you going to watch? Who could be the star? And I've gone in the past with a defensive back or a quarterback or running back, and, <laughs> and, and normally it's never any of the people you think about. But for whatever reason, I really feel strongly about these two guys because I just can't see either team winning without these guys making an impact on the game. So I'm watching the two tight ends. I think they're both as good as they come. Historically good. Historically mm-hmm. good. And, uh, and I, I don't think the team that wins can win without them doing something that's important. They, they are dominant. I mean, there's no doubt about the fact those two guys are the, are the two best tight ends in football. But as we look at the quarterback position, I know so many people are going to just, their eyes are going to gravitate towards the quarterback. And that's that's easy to do when one of them is Patrick Mahomes. He's, he is is one of the best, if not the best quarterback in, in, in football right now. And he's going up a, a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who has a ton of talent. He's had some big games this year. But again, they rely more on the running game. Uh, if... Let me ask you about Garoppolo first. If Kansas City loads up to to stop the run, can Jimmy Garoppolo carry the team? Can he do enough throwing the football to to move past the Kansas City Chiefs and win the Super Bowl? Well, he's got enough weapons, and then he's got the diversion of those running backs who can all run. Now, we don't know Tevin Coleman and if he's going to be able to play and the shoulder injury from a week ago and where he stands, but they've got firepower in their backfield, the thing the Chiefs do not have. Um, and they've got a very nice group of receivers, quality receivers, proven receivers. But Kansas City's speed is track-like. I mean, it's like an Olympic relay team and what Kansas City can do. Um, but I do think Garoppolo uh, has the wherewithal, if he needs to, to throw 30 times. I don't think that will be the case. Kansas City can be run on. Um, they've got a very important guy in the middle of their defensive line, Chris Jones, who's a pro bowler, who is healthy now. He had a calf injury going into the AFC championship game against Tennessee, but played a lot and was effective and was huge in stopping the terrific Derrick Henry. I think they'll need him to be at the very top of his game to play against that running attack. But I do think, back to your point, I do think that Garoppolo can throw when needed, and he's got weapons. He's got options. A lot of quarterbacks can throw, but the options aren't there. Aaron Rodgers uh, can throw, as we all know, but he didn't have a lot of options. That was one of the big problems with Green Bay. Garoppolo has options, and he's shown it, and it's just kind of whatever the game necessitates. If they need to throw, he can. If they need to run it, we've seen there two straight games. They've had running backs that have been huge against the Vikings and against Green Bay. So I, I there's no doubt that, that Garoppolo – uh, can throw the ball when needed. Now, Mahomes, trying to compare him to Mahomes, is a, is a completely <laughs> different kind of cat, man, because yeah. he is in a historical category all by himself. No, and and I want, and that's the the big question I have about Mahomes is uh, as Eagles as Eagles fan as an Eagles fan, I this game to me is a lot of, is is about Andy Reid. I'm very excited to see if Andy Reid can get over the hump. He went to the Super Bowl 15 years ago uh, with the with the Eagles. Obviously, it's the sec- second longest gap between Super Bowls behind another former Eagles coach, Dick Vermeil. And so, 15 years from one Super Bowl to the next, Andy Reid is back here. And uh, on a on a podcast I did uh, last week, I took a a kind of a deeper dive into Andy's first Super Bowl. And a lot of the issues that dogged him throughout his career kept coming up. Uh, clock management issues, not not being able to get the plays in quickly enough. And, and so that has reared its head during his time in Kansas City as well. I'm wondering, and I wonder what you think is here in Super Bowl 54, 
is Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid proof? And by that, I mean, is he just so good? Can he just do so much at the quarterback position? That alone, I mean, obviously, you know, Andy, the coach plays a huge part in this, but Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback Andy Reid has ever had. Is that going to be enough to kind of insulate the team from poor clock management or, or, or getting plays in later than they should? You know, I, I, I view clock management as, as a very subjective thing. I mean, there are certain rules and things that just on, on the surface, the optics would tell you would make sense. But there's so much that goes on in a game. And believe me, it is not just Andy Reid or it's not just uh, Bill Belichick that are making these calls. They've got people up in that booth that, that this is what they do. They study management. They work on timeouts and field position and, and what you've got, who's who is available, who is not available. It's, it's always multi-layered. And so when, you know, people talk about clock management, and that has been one of the things that has hung over Andy, game management, um, I, I understand that, and that, but I, I consider that very subjective. That we never know really what's going on. What I find out afterwards, when, when the dust is settled and no one cares about the story anymore, you find out that so-and-so was injured, another guy was having a hard time blocking the left end, and on and on. You get all these different things that go through the coach's mind, and they got to make a decision in like 10 seconds. That's why they got these guys up in the press box in that coach's booth that are up there, and that's, that's all they're dealing with. It's stuff like that. So I'm going to knock that part of the equation out. And, and people can talk about coaches and decisions and everything, and, and I, I understand that and appreciate that. But Mahomes is a different kind of talent. And at the end of the day, when there's an off-schedule play and a play breaks down and he's got to do something special, that is where he comes into play. A lot of quarterbacks can't do it. Rodgers can do it. Brady can kind of do it, especially the early Brady. I think Garoppolo can do it. But, but Mahomes has been the master of it because he is so gifted with his arm. He can make throws into places that other quarterbacks can't and haven't. And um, I, I think that, that that will always trump any decision that is made. Individual talent will always trump any decision made on the sideline or play called on the sideline because more times than not, in this league, it's an off-schedule play. It's a, it's a play that, uh, even though it's been designed, falls apart for whatever reason. And now the quarterback, off schedule, has got to go do something else. He's got to leave the pocket. He's got to wait longer. He's got to scramble a bit more, whatever. And Mahomes, uh, who is not faster than other quarterbacks and, and maybe not more athletic than a lot of quarterbacks, but has what like Russell Wilson has up in Seattle. He's got a knack and a feel, a perception um, that is different than most. He knows when to hit the deck. He knows when to cut. He knows when to step up. He knows when to move one way or the other. And that is something you cannot teach. And that is like his arm, a, a, a gift from God. He just, he just had, he was born with this stuff. Yeah. And that's to me what makes him a special guy. I, I still think he's double jointed in the arm and the elbow <laughs> and the wrist as, as I think Rogers is because they do things with their arms. that We've not seen other quarterbacks do, but these guys do thus they've got more whip and more velocity and more spin on that ball than most passes. And that's what makes him when you talk about, you know, uh, stepping away from a read decision, can he make it work? Yes, I think he can make it work with any coach that was given, any play that he was given, and any kind of personnel that's around him. I think he can do all those things. Well, we'll step away and take a real quick break. When we come back, more with Kevin Harlan talking about Super Bowl 54 up next on this BGN special. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on BGN Special. Does Andy Reid, do you think he needs to win this Super Bowl to be a, to get into the Hall of Fame? Or do you, do you think he's a Hall of Fame coach no matter what happens on Sunday? Well, we, ju- we just saw Bill Cowher get in. And, you know, Mike Holmgren took two different teams to a Super Bowl, to Green Bay twice and took Seattle once, won one, lost two. Um, and I know he'll be considered, should be considered. Um, Andy Reid's regular season record is historic. I think he's overall playoff and Regular season, the sixth winningest coach in pro football history. That alone should get him in. Um, this would seal it. And and by the way, he's still a, a relatively young guy, and he's got a quarterback who's only a second-year starter. As long as he's got Mahomes, That's right. <laughs> I, I, I think he's going to have – I'll be stunned if – and the Chiefs organization is pretty well built. They've got a good scouting staff. They've got a, good, they've got a great owner who's got vision. I think I'd be stunned if 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 Mahomes does not make four Super Bowls. He's he's twenty whatever twenty four. He's only played in the league three years, but the first year he sat except for one game. So really, his second year as a starter. First year he won the MVP. He really should be this year's MVP if they voted after the playoffs because what he's done has been more valuable than any single play. He's the best player in the league. Yeah. And I, I guess you begin with that when you look at who's going to win Sunday. So who's got the best player? Well, not only do the Chiefs have the best player on the field, they got the best player in the league. So as much as we're talking about San Francisco's defense, and I go around and I wake up every morning feeling differently about who I think might win. Right, me I, too. I can't say because I'm, I'm broadcasting the game. <laughs> right. but, I, but I still feel that uh, Mahomes could do something special because of what he has. But that overall, even though the flash may be on Kansas City, the depth and overall talent may rest on the San Francisco side. That should be a great game on Sunday. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was you had one of the most fun moments I think I, I can imagine any broadcaster having was in the final week of the NFL season when uh, the, the way the NFL set up the schedule was great. They had games going on at the same time that determined seeding, who would get into the playoffs, and you were calling the Chiefs game in Week 17 during, at the same time that the uh, the Dolphins were playing the Patriots and upsetting the Patriots, and, and you had you, you just sounded like you were having the most fun in the world kind of calling both games at one time meanwhile Miami has first and goal down by four and they're at the New England four-yard line first and goal 29 seconds left here Butker kicks the extra point and Fitzpatrick throws in the end zone touchdown Miami the Dolphins have just scored Gasicki the tight end got a laser in the back of the end zone on a goal-to-go touchdown pass by Miami quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick to take a lead with 24 seconds to go. The extra point coming up for Miami, leading New England 26-24. to And the crowd now knows it. What a throw by Fitzpatrick. What a touchdown run by Williams. 
on the last weekend of the regular season in the NFL. If the Chiefs win and New England loses, the Chiefs will be the two seed. They'll get the bye and they'll have a home game the next weekend. I'm getting confused. What game are you calling? I'm calling both games. <laughs> Here is the extra point. The Dolphins have just gone up on New England 27-24 with 24 seconds to go. Can you just take me back to that and and kind of uh, tell me how that all came about and, and what you were thinking as, as you were doing that? Well, we, we usually have a net return monitor, which is a return from New York of our game. Mm-hmm. And we have that in the booth. Because when they do updates from the studio at CBS in New York, uh, we want to see the play that they're talking about so that when they throw it back to our game, we can, Rich Gannon and I uh, can talk about that play uh, and make it a nice, uh, uh, seamless transition. Well, on this particular day, they didn't have the game, the net return of our game in there like they would normally do. They had the Patriot and Miami game in there because... Going into the day, as you may recall, if New England lost and Kansas City won, the Chiefs would have that coveted bye. We all know that the bye is huge in the NFL for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. So as the Chiefs are struggling against the Chargers in what was a good close game, the Chiefs score late, and shockingly, the Patriots (laughs) are coughing one up at home in a game that means a lot for them against a lowly Miami we knew it'd be tough, but I mean, like, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. you, you don't realize this is going to happen. So anyway, anything, any good fortune or any recognition that I may get is, is strictly the response and the effort of our team. They set up this monitor right there so I could see the game. And by the gods of, of the football gods intersected these plays where the, the Chiefs scored and underdog Miami scored and the Chiefs kicked the extra point and Miami kicked it all like within about like 18 seconds, all this stuff. So the timing was perfect. So anybody could have done what I did. But as always, it's always the help of all these other people. You know, our director cutting to the shot of the fans in Arrowhead realizing what had just happened, you know, 1,500 miles away with the Chiefs leading and the, and the Patriots losing. And, and so, you know, with the intersection of the plays that we talked about and the fan response, it just all worked out. So, like I said, anybody could have done it. I was there. I was on the mic, and, and I, it, the, the, luckily it fell to me. And it worked out, and everyone was happy with it. And it was, yeah, like you initially said, the league does a great job of setting these things up so that Week 17 has great meaning almost game one through ten on that Sunday. That makes them so fun and so exciting. Yeah, it was, and it was great to hear. It was a great call, and it just, it's just, that, that's the kind of thing. I mean, I did a little play-by-play in college, and that's the kind of thing you dream about is is having something like that to, to, to call. A moment like that was just sound like the most fun thing in the world. So I imagine Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 54, will also be a lot of fun for you. You've got Kansas City up against San Francisco down in Miami, and Kevin Harlan will once again be on the call for Westwood One Sports. Folks, if you don't follow Kevin on Twitter, you should. He's at Kevin Harlan. Kevin, thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. Aren't you kind to have me on? Thank you. Always enjoy our visits. I hope we can do it again sooner than later. And uh, I think we're all going to enjoy Sunday uh, evening in Miami. I, th- I think it will not disappoint. It should be one of the great games in Super Bowl history. P-G-N. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.